All right, the Two Skinny Times podcast is uh, back once again. Uh, July, a little bit of a busy month. Uh, Incredibly busy. You've got, well, number one, it's one of the only times uh, that you can take some vacation in the TV business. Right, right. Uh, you got the holiday. We also had this thing called the All-Star Game at the corner of Carnegie, Ontario. That a was little thing. A little bit of a big deal. So we took our own uh, All-Star break. Uh, but we are back uh, kind of in a big way here to kick off the, the second half of the season. And if you hear that sound and you frequent Indians games, you should know exactly who we're talking to today. Does it give you chills? It does. It does. <laughs> There's a sales meeting going on next door, and they're probably like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, what are you guys doing over there? The Bomb Squad. The Bomb yes. Squad. Yes. We are talking to John Adams, uh, Tribe Drummer on Twitter. Yes. Um, thanks for being with us, man. This is awesome. We, uh, I kind of wrangled Trent into pulling you on with us when he was out at the All-Star Game festivities. But, uh, yeah, man, thanks for coming on with us. This is, this is, this is going to be great. It was one of those one of those things where I, I saw you coming down the stairs at Progressive on the morning of the All Star Game, and I was like, "You think I should ask him if he if he'd be on our podcast with I think us?" Because text me and ask because you. it's John Adams. I was like, "Oh man, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know." So I just walked up and I asked, yeah. and you said, "Yeah." So your people talk to my people, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? Yes, <laughs> I hammered out the details and everything. So. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for oh, the drum it's too. A pleasure to be here. Yeah, and you brought the drum? Yes, for, I did. First I off. figured for effect, you know. <laughs> people really don't want to see me or hear me. They want to hear the drum. And, and I understand this, you know. So. First off, because you carry it. Every time I've seen you, you're carrying it. How much yeah. does it weigh? I got to know right off the bat. How much does it weigh? All right, all right. Well, the flippant answer I always give is uh, uh, depends on whether we win or lose. So. <laughs> two ounces when we win, 200 pounds when we lose. But it does weigh... Drum roll, I, no. uh, 14, <laughs> yeah, I 14 pounds. Nice, nice. Yeah, so I, I, I got on a scale and then I, you know, picked it up and I was 14 pounds heavier and I said, okay, that's I can do the math, you know. Be, right? Actually. That's right? heavier than I thought it was going to be. How long have you been carrying it around? Well, I started August 24th, 1973. August 24th, 1973. It was a Friday night. We were playing Texas and I believe we won 11 to 4 and uh, you know, a, a friend of mine uh, actually was at the game and scored it. Uh, this was just, I, I got to meet him afterwards because we sat in the bleachers. So one of my birthdays, he took that scorecard and he... Oh, uh, nice. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. and he gave it to me. That's awesome. And I have it hanging on the wall at home. So I, I know all the players and the, you know, and it, oh, it's, it's kind of neat, you know, to go back sometimes and look at that stuff. Can we go back? Can we start from the beginning? Yeah. Here? Where, did it, where did it come from? Like, where did the idea come from? How'd you get this, the idea to bring this into the ball, ballpark? Well, everybody growing up in Cleveland uh, was a seat banger. Uh, that's when you had real seats, not plastic. It was wood and metal, and which, by the way, are a lot more comfortable seat <laughs> than plastic. You know, people think, oh, oh, this is cush. Uh, trust me, uh, for sitting long periods of time, you want the support. So you have that. Uh, anyway, uh, I was out in the bleachers. I, I was a little bit older than eight at the time. You know. <laughs> I was out in the bleachers, uh, and uh, which I like to go to maybe 15, 20 games a year. You know, 50-cent seat, you know, how can you go wrong? Right. And there was really no seats to bang. Well, they had Redwood Bench, 
you know, uh, I mean, you could beat on them, but you'd hurt your Break hand, your hand and yeah. not get a whole lot of noise. <laughs> and this is at Municipal, yes. right? Okay. Yes, that's right. Uh, the grand lady she was, you know, or I was there with 88,000 people at a game. So. Oh, man. That's crazy. Yeah, doubleheader. And uh, it's it's an attendance record, Major League Baseball, you know. Uh, by the way, you know the attendance record for a baseball game is here in Cleveland. Yeah. But it's not. There, it's um, a Brookside Park. Oh, really? By the zoo. Oh, really? Yes, that Fun hill. Fact. That hill was all filled with uh, seats. They, what they did, they weren't individual seats. It was like concrete. Yeah, you know, step kind of yeah. thing. And uh, it was an amateur game, and I believe the attendance was over a hundred thousand people. Oh man, for a championship game. Wow. So uh, baseball is deeply rooted in the city of Cleveland. And there's mm. an attendance record for the All-Star game, too, I believe, that was held at a yes, stadium. So exactly. Yeah, because uh, actually for uh, baseball there, uh, you could seat uh, 77,000 people. Without breaking a sweat either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it, it was amazing. And, and the way it was set up, uh, every seat in that place faced second base. Which Perfect. no other ballpark, even the one we have now, yeah. does not do. Right. Uh, so you didn't have to really turn or anything. You were. That's why it was the horseshoe design. Yeah. That was. It was built for baseball, and uh, but they wanted to build it big enough uh, for a major city, you know, to have a place to be, also. Uh, and they had a hard time getting the Indians to move there. I'm serious. Uh, they had League Park, and the owner died, and uh, you know the wife had it, and she wanted to, you know, sell it. And the quote, I'll never forget this because you'll laugh now. It says, "Who would ever want to buy a baseball team that oh. did not own their own ball field?" <laughs> Goodness, Goodness. Boy, have times changed, <laughs> right? Boy, have times changed. So, uh, yeah, the Indians started playing Sunday games there, and then and then they just moved over in the fifties. Where did the drum itself come from? Well, the drum, uh, I I do play drums. Okay. And I have a nice set of drums, you know, and uh, they're Slingerland, Radio Kings, 1960, you know. Uh, people always ask, so where do you live, John, and when are you going on vacation? <laughs> right. Uh, uh, it's a great set of drums. Uh, nice three-piece jazz set. I still play it today. I mean, that, that's good enough for 99% of everything you play is just snare drum, bass drum, tom, you know, right. Uh, anyway, so I wasn't going to bring that drum set yeah. <laughs> down or the bass drum from it down. So I went, there was a, a like a paper called the Trading Times. And that's, you know, where you, people sell stuff yeah, and yeah. everything else. Now we have uh, eBay and right. Facebook and all that. But <laughs> at the time it was the Trading Times. And they had a whole drum set for $25. I said, that's mine. And it was actually... Uh, a street off of Wallings Road. It was in Broadview Heights. Uh, and I went there, and I think it was the parents uh, said, okay, get your trash out of our house. You know, otherwise we're getting rid of it. Yeah. And they said, oh, we don't want it. You know, and it was some garage band or something because there's not even a marking on the drum as to 
Right, that's uh, true. What it is. I mean, I, I looked all over the place. You know, who manufactured this? And nobody would admit to saying we built this <laughs> because quality is not, you know, a, a primary uh, with this drum. Uh, How can you say that? You've had it for <laughs> forever. Right? Well, it's been, it's it's been everywhere. To me. It's valuable <laughs> to me. Uh, and what it lacks in quality, it makes up for in volume. Right. So that's, you mm. know, and that's all I wanted it for. I'm not making music i just want to loud yeah make it you know so you know we all clap together just like banging those seats there we go back to that so nice uh from being a little kid seat banger uh you know being a drummer and this is what happens to your life it's a slippery slope you know boom you're there so next month will be 46 years wow 46 years never planned Never That's, planned. Yeah, what it. is that? I mean, never planned. So it's just like you're, you're going to the game, and, and I'm going to bring this drum with me. Did anybody yeah. say anything to you when you walked well, in? Well, I was just going to bring it when, you know, I go to games, you know, because I'd be sitting <laughs> out in the bleachers. Uh, so I went. It was a Friday night when I went. And Saturday I went and got a little bit of overtime at Ohio Bell. And Sunday I said, hey, let's go to the game. In fact, one of the guys I worked with, I said, hey, I got the snare drum. I said, why don't you come down with me? You bang on the snare, I'll bang on the bass. And we did. Um, uh, Somebody from the Cleveland Press, a photographer, used to be a newspaper here in Cleveland, the afternoon newspaper, and uh, took a picture. And Bob Sudek, who I believe now is in Connecticut, someplace i don't know if he's still writing or not or if he's retired uh but bob sudek um found out uh probably from dino lucarelli who used to work with the indians and then later he went to the browns and uh, he's retired uh but uh he calls me up at work and hey you know the drum and, da, 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 and we do this interview yeah i love the tribe that 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 he says, are you going to be at the game uh, Tuesday night? I said, geez, I don't know, probably not. The newspaper comes out Tuesday afternoon, because that was on Monday we did right, the interview. Right. Tuesday afternoon, newspaper comes out. Uh, you know, John loves the tribe, blah, 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 blah. Uh, oh, and if you want to hear him, come down to the game tonight. Oh, no. <laughs> so, oh, man, now not, you have to go. Yeah. Not, not to make a liar out of the fourth estate. <laughs> right. You know, we never let facts get in the way of a good story, do we? Uh, I said, okay, I'll show up. Then I showed up the next game and the next game and the next game. So it just kind of snowballed? Yeah. And, uh, well, Jackie York, uh, who actually I think she was the second female executive ever in sports, you know. Right. Uh, uh, And... uh, she was uh, working for the Indians, and she came out. And she goes, boy, we really like what you're doing. Would you come to every game? And I said, no. <laughs> yeah. I said, no. You said no? I said, no way. I have enough obligations in life. Oh, wow. I do not need another one. And then, Ooh, you got a job, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, yes, yes. Uh, you got to pay bills, right? <laughs> My teachers lied to me. I went to school. I studied. I listened to everything they said. They said this was a free country, but every time I go to the grocery store, they want money. <laughs> so, <laughs> gotta work. So you have to work. You know, oh, you, man. You, uh, disillusioned again. Here you go. You need money. Uh, so there I did, and I had a, a wonderful career. Uh, Ohio Bell, Ameritech. Uh, SBC, 
AT&T, you know, right, all the way in the line circle. Yeah. Uh, it was hard to keep up with right. who you're working for, but as long as the check's cashed, I was happy. And, <laughs> right. And I had I, I great education and uh, a great career there. Um, and it enabled me to do the things I do in the community and, uh, you know, and being able to go to games and, and do what I do. And, uh, you know, to tell you, uh, it, it's all these years, I, I still enjoy going to the games if i can't afford it or the joy is gone i won't be there uh, but i meet people in all walks of life from all over the world i don't have to travel i sit and they come to interview me <laughs> and i end up interviewing them and i find out you know uh, not just where they're from uh, and why they're in Cleveland, and those those are some fascinating stories too. Um, but you know, they start talking about their family stories and baseball, and you know what their grandfather taking them to games, and where they first went to games, and growing up, and all that, and you know what it means to them. So I find out a lot. Some actually become friends and we stay in touch you know others you saw them and that was it and um as a matter of fact there's a guy uh, from michigan that came i believe the city was saint joseph uh which is more towards like gary indiana okay you know, that and the michigan uh by the lake and he drew up these beautiful pictures hand drawn of the different chief wahoos and you know through the years and it was just you know that's so what awards do i need from anybody it's the people i meet that's yeah. the greatest thing in the world i i know i'm blessed i appreciate it you know i don't understand why the ed adulation um uh, but again it means a lot to me and i do appreciate it so you said you said you're going to go as long as you can afford it or have fun with it. Do you pay for tickets? Can I ask you that? Oh, Do you uh, well, <laughs> I I uh, uh, about nine years ago, the invoice came in the mail and said zero. Oh. Thought, wow, this is in my budget. I can afford this. <laughs> so the Indians are comping the tickets. Good, uh, right good. Now. Well, I mean, well deserved. Come on, how many games yeah. did you go to for forty six years? So is that thirty seven years straight? I well, mean, there was in two thousand eleven. I hit my three thousandth game. Wow! And I know this because I met a guy, Dave Smith. He was a biology teacher at the University of Delaware, and he has this database that have every stat of every game going back i believe it's to 1944 oh wow or 43 something like that uh he put that together now he had a lot of help you know right getting all right. this input and checking and everything else but he had all the official records of baseball and baseball never did this but he did mm. and they use his stats uh you know for things so uh, you know, a lot of times, not to say 
people embellish stories. Uh, but a player <laughs> will be, oh, in the bottom of the ninth, you know, I hit this home run and, you know, eight runs came in. And, you know, <laughs> there were six people on I base. Won. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. It was, it was a wonderful moment. And then he go, well, you got a single in the third inning. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, there again, they have great baseball stories. You don't try to diminish them, you know. Right. Why not? Right, you know, right. It's fun. It, what does it affect? Who does it affect? It puts me a smile on folks. Uh, so some of it is true, you know. Uh, but he has all these records. And I was out getting an award out in uh, L.A. Uh, from this group, uh, Reliquy. You know, so I'm a fossil you know a relic <laughs> uh and they had me come out there and they created this award for me it's the hill is this the hilda award yes okay yes you know of i it. do yeah i did my research <laughs> I, for uh distinguished service of the game of baseball by a fan yes. oh, which nice. a- absolutely this you fit the criteria for yeah. the definition of it. they said they created that award for me oh yeah they, you know they're you know dodger fans out there and everything uh but they could never. They ne- either didn't have enough money, or there was a game going on when they had their, you know, event, and they knew I would never miss a game to go out there you right, know, right. for an event. They knew that. Uh, so there was this one year, and so they had me out, and I got the award, uh, and it was really nice. And that's where I met Dave Smith, and Dave Smith. You know, I found out all about this, and Sabre and uh, Society of American Baseball Research uh, used to be headquartered in Cleveland. And a new regime came in, and they moved it to where there was more baseball out in Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) Any rationale you want if, you know, you want to do something. Uh, But anyway, at at the time, and, and Sabre was a place where, you know, you have everybody that are real geeks in baseball, you know, that do all their research and pull everything together. It's, it's, um, it's a wonderful organization. Uh, the, the things that you'd never, and the research they do is, is incredible. Uh, and it's nice. And at one time when they were first moving to Cleveland, um, <clears throat> they didn't have a place to stay. Basically, all this research, all these books, right. all everything. Well, I had a van, <laughs> I had a house, so the entire research and everything that Saber had was in my attic. Oh, that is awesome, oh, man! <laughs> for for about nine months. Talk um, about uh, ha- you know having the key to baseball, right? Yeah, there. literally. Yeah. That's and uh. and then it was like three van loads full of stuff, and then I brought it. And they had a place down at the Caxton building. And uh, so I took it all down there. And my house raised out of the ground about two inches, (laughs) getting rid of all that weight uh, in the house. Uh, So I know my house is nice and strong. The joists are good. (laughs) Good. Well, Well, they were. uh, So, yeah, my connection to baseball, you know, and. It runs deep. It's then deep. it's not. It's yeah. not just a. It's not just a drum and a ball. It's ball crazy game. how things happen. It is. You know? Yeah. And, and really playing drums. And in high school, uh, I played the bass drum. All right. Uh, and I I liked it uh, when I at the West Side Irish American Club. I used to help run the St. Patrick's Day parade for twenty some years. Uh, put that on the avenue, which Cleveland ought to be proud of. It's the longest contiguous uh, running St. Patrick's Day parade. 
period. Right. Nice. Uh, actually, in Savannah and New York and Boston, they started about 10 years before Cleveland had it in 1842. But we have not missed a I'm year missed one. or they've missed some years. Gotcha. All right. So Cleveland holds the record. And, and uh, actually, at one time, New York Times uh, voted uh, Cleveland the number one St. Patrick's Day parade. So I digress. But, <laughs> right. but I, I get involved in a lot of things in the community. And, and I'm not Irish, by the way, not a drop. I, I got involved with that because I walked by the door one day and walked in, and they had this gong show thing going, and somebody, hey, we're building the pyramid. you want to come in? Next thing you know, I'm on the board of directors. <laughs> you know, I'm, Down a slippery slope. Yeah, I'm doing, yeah, another slippery slope in life. Uh, That's so awesome. So I, I, I trained uh, people how to march, uh, you know, and play fife and drum. And so, and I had the bass drum again, and... Uh, and the reason I had the bass drum was because I could start all the songs, set the pace, end the songs, boom. And I, you don't have to yell or anything because the bass drum says it all. All right. Then there I am down at the ballpark with a bass drum. And little did I know, you know, you know and most people don't know. So I, I'm into all this stuff. You know, I play with the orchestra, fife and drum, pipe bands, Dixieland, jazz, polka bands. I when started. You're the, still in bands now, right? Yeah. Well, I still go around playing jams. And right. That. Yeah. Yeah. Started the Cleveland Blues Society. That's okay. Yeah. You know, that's what you were saying. I, I, I did that. Uh, I do a country jam at a coffee house here in, in Cleveland. And what coffee house? Oh, curbside coffee. Curbside coffee. Yeah, nice. to swing by. Yeah. <laughs> when when do you do that? Yeah. Uh, Thursday nights when I get a chance. You uh, know, if there's perfect. no game, you yeah. know, I'll I'll go there, and that's like six to nine. You know, and perfect. You know, and I, uh, you know, Tuesday nights uh, there's no game. You know, uh, you know, there's you know uh, more like blues jam and stuff like that. That's, um, you know, I go to various places. You know. And uh, Cleveland Blue Society on the second Monday of every month, you know, has a jam that goes all over the place. So it's uh, anyway. So there I am <laughs> with music and and a bass drum, and I never knew I'd be tied, you know, to a, a bass drum so much. You know, you can do all these other things, inc intricate stuff with jazz, you know, and I'm, you know. You know, one thing's going with your right, another thing's going with your left. Your right foot's doing one thing, your left foot's doing something different. Four different things going on. Does anybody know you? No. You go to a ball game. <laughs> Here you are in left field. You know, and you go boom, 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 boom. And I meet people from all over the world. <laughs> Life is a crazy yeah. place to be, right? So is baseball, But I too, love, though. I yeah. enjoy it, you know. And, and again, I am blessed. Mm -hmm. You, I am blessed. You talked about Municipal Stadium. Yes. One thing that I remember, my dad, a lifelong Cleveland fan, and one thing I remember my dad always talking about was just how wild things would get in that stadium. He said they, they went to a Browns game one year, and they brought a beer keg into the stadium because they had a ticket for it. Like you, oh what, well, what was it yeah. like at that stadium? Because it just seems well, like uh, uh, an interesting point. They would sneak those things in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they maybe that's just what he told me. Bring it in. Oh, we had a we had a ticket for it. <laughs> yeah, right. Those are the stories okay. you tell your son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was perfectly acceptable. That's right. Because he didn't want you to live the life he did. Little you know, did, little he wanted did you, know. you to make something out of yourself. But uh, uh, well, look what happened. Am, to you. Right? Yeah, little yeah. Johnny Rudder. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> didn't matter. You ended up in the entertainment world. Right. Here and I love it. TV and radio and doing blogs for a preach sake. Jeez, oh, man. But what was that What has happened like? to you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Does your family still talk to you? Yeah, no, every right, day. No. They're probably texting me now. <laughs> they actually. must love you, you know. Uh, now, it, uh, well, it's different. Uh, football crowd, baseball crowd. I mean, it's like two different worlds. Okay. Two different worlds. Now, the bleachers at a baseball game uh, were in other cities. You know, that was where the rowdy, crazy uh, – that. In Cleveland, that's where the family sat. That was like the family section. I swear to God. Why? Because you couldn't leave the bleachers. So your kid could run all over the place, and you know they're not going anywhere. So they run up and down the steps, and, you know, it's huge, you know. And so by the time it's the end of the game, they're tired. They're sleeping in the car. (laughs) Life is good, right? It's a parent's dream, you know. So they can (laughs) sit and watch the game, and you sit in the right place. You can watch your kids run all over uh, the bleachers, so what? Uh, now in football, yeah, that that was crazy. A little bit more of a party there, for yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I I was at a game once. I I I guess maybe it's me because I go to these games and these things happen. Um, <laughs> well, there was a bad call made. It was it was horrendous, you know, by the referee uh, interference call. So there they were in front of. It wasn't even called a dog pound then, but. Uh, and they were trying to get, it was on the, the five-yard line, and everybody's booing. Well, they start throwing things on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's okay for the people down below, uh, but then there's the other people in the bleachers up top, and they all think they have, like, arms like Roberto Clemente or something, <laughs> right. and uh, they don't. And it's a lot farther so, than you so think. So they're and you're throwing, throwing and people are getting clobbered down below. But I think all they were doing was picking up the debris He's and throwing it, you yeah. know, relay, <laughs> you know, like, you know, the outfielder to the second baseman in the home plate. And so they had to move the, uh, uh, the play to the other end of the field oh, so man. they could play football because they were getting pummeled down there, you know, and that wasn't with empty cups. Okay. Right. Um, uh, I was a spotter one time. Well, a spotter was the guy in control of an area. Well, this was the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game. Oh. So I I had to make sure everything was okay with the police, the vendors, and everything else. So you walk around. You're a spotter, you know, uh, to be there. And if they see you, something's going wrong. They go get you. You know, you call the police in and all. Yeah. All right. So this was before the game and the bleachers are kind of getting filled and uh it was a crazy game i mean there were some people from pittsburgh that were so drunk they never made it off the buses i don't know doesn't surprise me growing up not far from there yeah okay (laughs) typical uh, pittsburgh that's the kind of games they they were all right so i see this guy over the wall you know he's I'm thinking, is he talking? You know, talking to somebody. What's he doing? I walk up. I walk up. I stand next to him. He's got this rope and his hand over hand. You know, big strong guy. And I look over the wall. There's a pony kick coming up. Oh no! <laughs> and then I look at him. I tap him on the shoulder, and I go shake my head. I didn't say a word. I go nope. Not happening. 
And he goes, really? <laughs> I go, <laughs> and I shake my head again. And he starts lowering the pony keg. <laughs> and the guy down below who tied it up is over there, hey, what are you doing? I look over the wall and I wave my finger at him. I go, "Nope, not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, not gonna happen." So, so respectful that, too it, to just that, lower it back down. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. I think the tears were in his eyes. You know, not from the strain. I was but gonna for say missing out on the beer. But you have halfway. to understand with the dog pound. Uh, I, I guess uh, the statute of limitations is up, so I can tell you the story. <laughs> uh, they had the dog pound right and. Uh, they brought in the doghouse. It took the Browns almost two years to figure this out. It took four guys to carry the doghouse in and one guy to carry it out. Guess what was in that doghouse? Beer. Your father's beer. Yeah. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Told you you got it in there somehow. Yeah, nice. that's right. Honest nice. to God, that empty, was true. And empty then, kegs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pony keg. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love so it. So they brought their beer in the doghouse. And Genius. No more doghouses were allowed in the dog oh, pond. Thanks, thanks, Dad. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, we've been, t- we've been touching on alcohol and sports-related events here. Um, yes. You said started drumming 1973. Correct. June of 1974, 10 Cent Beer Night. Yes. Were you there? Yes, I was. <laughs> what was There's that proof. like? There's <laughs> proof. Uh, yeah, I think it's 80 proof. No, I, I, <laughs> no there was proof uh, that I was there, uh, you know, camera work, and you could right? hear me. Uh, I was going to say, and you could hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There was, uh, it, it was wild. Uh, I think if they ever drilled at, you know, the ballpark there, you know, down there, uh, they would strike beer. There's more beer spilled Mm. than drank. (laughs) They had a big truck behind the fence because that's the only place they sold it. Right. And you were allowed to buy six beers at a time. Now, these beers were the size of a Dixie cup. That was it. So they didn't go very far. No. <laughs> no, it didn't go very far because people spilled most of again. it. They spilled most of it. So there's this line, you know. But people actually came to the game mostly intoxicated. And there were, uh, I don't know if the police were in line, and that's why they weren't there, but there was uh, almost no police. Uh, I think they had their hands full because of, People that got a little raucous, yeah, coming in drunk and they take you know, running them back and all that during the game, starting about the fourth inning, I believe. Uh, don't put money on this, but (laughs) there were a group of about eight people at each foul pole, and what they did the third out. In the half inning, they would jump down on the field. They would run right through each other, (laughs) get to the other foul pole, and go up in the stands. Now, you know if there was enough police, there's no way they they would do that even once. (laughs) Right. Okay. Nothing happened. Next half inning, they did it again. And they did it again. That was going on and on and on. 
Did the group get bigger every inning? I feel no. like it would be uh, no. <laughs> it, it, eight, it, 30, 50. No, 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 it did not. It did not. Uh, so it looked like they kind of all knew each other and they were having some fun, you know. I'm going, oh, my God, you know, how are they getting away with this? You know, but they were. Now, Cleveland was getting beat, and we were coming back, and it looked like we were going to win this game. And there was a, a like a timeout moment there, and a, I it wasn't even a full grown man. I he, you know, from my view, but I'm far away. You know, it looked like you know somebody maybe 17, 18 or something like that jumped out of the right field stands, went out there. Now I forget the ball player's name. Anyway, he's the right fielder, and he came up behind him and took his hat. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> and started running. And he looked back, you know, uh, or he he heard. I think the player. The player looked like he was stomping his feet and yelling. And he took the hat and threw it. Didn't even look. Just threw it back behind him. And uh, the player went to go get his hat. And then he did to look behind and found out, oh, wait a minute. He's not chasing me. He went back for the hat. <laughs> and then that's when they thought, however, whatever reason, uh, Texas decided, okay, and they charged the field. Oh, man. <laughs> and then the Cleveland players charged the field. And when they all went out there and they were running out there, that's when – People started jumping out of the, the stands. fans. Started. I was just looking it up. Jeff Burroughs cap. Jeff Burroughs. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And there's so many like interesting things but about I, that. But I like all the stories. I I really do. Yeah. Because what happens? <laughs> Nicole, if you're listening to this podcast later, they want right? you to call two zero nine. Hopefully, you called that extension. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, you might be late, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, what I love with the stories is the players. Oh, a champagne bottle hit me. Uh, you know, a somebody was bottle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they were Dixie cups. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, well, because it was, it was wild. Uh, I got pummeled. Uh, I, you know, this. You know, uh, I got almost run over by a bus. You know, I, you know, it goes on and on. I used to argue with these stories. I don't anymore. I, I just like seeing what they'd make up. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's just an interesting time. It was disappointing because we lost the game nine to nothing then yeah, because we right. forfeited. Uh, but it, it was just like chaos. And people were doing cartwheels, running around. That's what was going on on there. No one was fighting. And they were just, you know, sitting down on the grass doing, you know, and it was just, there was no way they could continue the game. Yeah. So umpire said, eh, forfeit, doop, that's it. No one was fighting anybody. You mentioned some of the things that were thrown, too, and I'm just reading through this, too. Uh, Mike Hargrove, actually, Rangers' yeah. first baseman, ended up being the manager of the Indians, yes. <laughs> said that he was pelted by hot dogs, spit, and at one point was struck by an empty jug of Thunderbird. 
Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. By now, I don't know how many things he got hit with. You know, <laughs> the list you keeps know. growing. Yeah, oh, I'm sure it has. A radio, sure. batteries. Yeah. You know, it it it. Uh, yeah, it goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. But the hot dog had the Burtman's ballpark. Did it? Yeah, mustard on it. <laughs> you got to pick that up and eat it. Then. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Five he should have. He should have. I mean, here he was getting free food. <laughs> no, Did he appreciate <laughs> yeah, it? No. Know, right? uh, <laughs> next time I see Mike, I'll have to tell him. Shame <laughs> yeah, on you. You know what? Uh, you know, there's people starving somewhere in the world, and you passed up a hot dog. <laughs> you know that was given to you. Uh, no, I, 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 I like to tell people the the. Two largest uh, games uh, attended was uh, uh, a beer night. Okay. There were 723,000, wait a minute, 617 people there. And they were all on the field. Okay, except me. <laughs> right, well, you know, yeah, I, I was, yeah, you I was, and the drum. I was, yeah. yeah, I was protecting Can't get the drum. Understand? Yeah, I, I didn't want anything happening to that, you know. Uh, and then Lenny Barker's perfect game, which was eight hundred twenty-five thousand oh, yeah. and two people were there. That's you know because everybody was there. Yeah. I don't know who wasn't there. Right, right. You know, I, yeah, man. Find find a list of people who weren't there. It'd be a short list. Right, right. You so know. you were there for, for that also. Yes, with the drum. Yes. Ah, man. That I mean, what are some of the moment? Like, what are some of the memories that you remember over the years? What are some of your favorites? Oh, the, uh, you know, a, a lot of the well, the perfect game. Yeah. You know, that's. Uh, although a lot of the memories I have weren't necessarily what was going on in the field. It was the off the field stuff. You know, people that I've met. Uh, you know, over the years, and, and you know, and it's a long list. Uh, and being able to, you know, all walks of life too. I mean, from ambassadors from other countries, U.S. senators, uh, to people on the other end of the spectrum. You know, so uh, <laughs> and and everything in between. Uh, and everybody has a great story. You know, they really do. Um, and, and the families and watching, uh, you know, e even now, uh, and one of the tribe fest was kind of interesting. Um, well, here's what happens. People come up with kids, right? Yeah. Babies. They want their baby first game, uh, a picture. So they're going to hand them to me <laughs> now. Uh, what do babies do when there's some place they don't want to be? cry you know they see <laughs> mom or dad crying babies that you held you know, <laughs> and yeah my dad used to call it the uh, 10 second warning the bottom lip goes <laughs> yeah, down yeah. and then you know yeah it's coming back you know but they wiggle like crazy yeah right i'm out of here let go of me yeah so john dropping baby is something i don't want on my resume <laughs> so i dawned on me i know what i'll do put the baby on the drum even with a wet diaper, who cares? It's a plastic head, you know, you clean it, you're done, you know. Uh, so you put the baby on a drum, they sit there, and you put a mallet across their lap, and then they say, hurry up, take the picture. <laughs> I, I hold their back so they don't go backwards and hit right. their head because if they fall forward, nothing's going to happen. Uh, all right. I mean, there's some families that come every time a kid's born. They come up, 
And then the older he... ones are standing next to the <laughs> oh, nice. So they have their family photo, you know, with the with the baby and the... so I'm at the tribe fest. A girl comes up to me and she's carrying an envelope. I found out, you know, like a minute later, she's 15 years old. And she hands me the envelope and she goes, I want you to see this. And I take it out and there's a picture of this baby sitting on a drum. And she goes, that was me 15 years ago. I said, well, you're not sitting on a drum now. <laughs> <laughs> and her mom, who took the picture, was there. So I held the picture up of the baby on the drum, and she held my mallets and took a picture. Oh, that's awesome. That's so so cool. and I told her, well, you know, come back in 15 years with your baby <laughs> yeah. and, oh, you know, and bring grandma, yes. you know, you all take a picture together. Uh, so it's things like that. And, and, uh, and the, uh, you know, and, and folks, and I'm not going to even, even drop names, but there are hall of famers and not necessarily in baseball, but in basketball and football that have come up and said, can I hit the drum? <laughs> to God. That's what everybody right. wants to do. Like That's literally right. like, yeah. And I'll say you get one hit. You get one swing. <laughs> one swing. Who's one the, uh, who's, the who's the, I guess the, the biggest name, the most, uh, you give us one to, to hit the drum once. Oh, geez. Um, like I said, I really... <laughs> you don't have to. Uh, you don't gonna, have to. Yeah. I don't want to embarrass anybody, oh, you know, because they're going to go, oh, you know, hey, John. You know, hey, come on, John. Because they're real sheepish <laughs> when they come up. And, they, you know, <laughs> oh, I, and, and so I, I, I know they're kind of afraid, but they're not. Um, but nice. uh, the one name I do drop, uh, and, and I, uh, I, I got to know Joe Tate very well. Ah. In fact, I got I owe him a call. I got to give him one. You know, he's he's still out in Medina, uh, uh, living out there, and um, which wasn't far from a family I used to farm. I found out, you know, nice and, you know, dairy farm. I used to do stuff out. I'm all. I don't want to get every story <laughs> I do. Is, people don't believe I do all these things. You know, they go, "How do you do that?" I go, "I don't know." Just, How do you not? Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, and Joe Tate, in fact, the first interview I ever did, you know, with a microphone uh, was with Joe Tate. And he said, we'd like to do it. And down at the old ballpark, they had the ramp going up to the press, you know, and I met him at the bottom. We walked to the top, never even made it in the room. And he stopped and there was this table up there. And I said, Joe, uh, would you mind, uh, you know, let me know what you're going to ask me? You know, so I don't want to sound too dumb, you know, on this thing. And he goes, John, I don't know what I'm going to ask till I turn the microphone on. Collect microphone goes on. <laughs> oh, we do man. the interview, right? <laughs> it, the interview's over. And he goes, and, and I still hear Joe's voice in my head every time. I'm doing this before I came here doing this, before any interview. And he says, uh, John, he says, it's my advice. Whether you want it, you know, take it if you want. You know, you don't have to. But uh, don't try to be clever. Don't try to be intelligent. Don't try to be funny. You know, don't try to be philosophical. Don't try to. He said, John, just be who you are. He says, you'll do great. He said, just be yourself. People like that more. And I hear that, 
you know, uh, whether I'm doing national television interviews, I can hear Joe Tate. Uh, you know, so you know, that's great advice. Him. Yeah, it is it's great true. advice. Yeah, it's so true. It, it's it, it's it's the best way to be. Mm. You know, unless you're a real schmuck, I guess you don't want to be yourself. <laughs> you right, know, but right, uh, right. but uh, <laughs> so and then the other one I really like dropping uh, the name is uh, uh, Ernie Harwell. Oh yes, and Ernie Harwell. Podcast, for anybody who doesn't know, yeah. was the voice of the Detroit Tigers yeah. like forever. Uh, just to uh, give you an example, uh, they hired Bo Schembechler to be the general manager of the Tigers to fire Ernie Harwell because they thought that they can get away with it. Oh man, it didn't work. Uh, <laughs> Bo, uh, you're way down in second place compared to Ernie Harwell. Uh, Anyway, I got to meet him, and we became friends Nice over the years, and every time the Tigers would come in. So when these folks, the Detroit Tigers you know, fans come in, and they go, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, Ernie Harwell's a friend of mine. Man, their eyes, eyes light up. You know, oh, it, it's amazing. And he was a true gentleman, a true gentleman, uh, very knowledgeable, very talented man, you know, in writing, music, right. and everything else. But... Uh, he called a game like, you know, no one will now, you know. But some of his he sayings, would, I, I could he still. Quoted a, I, he would quote a Bible verse to start every every season, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and then um, uh, he would always, this is one of his uh, little tags, uh, whatever city he would be in, you know, there's a foul ball hit every game, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, um, ah, that foul ball was caught. Uh, by a man in Broadview Heights, you know. <laughs> nice. Uh, you know, so any town around the city they were in, he would oh, say, "That's such that's a nice the touch, guy." You know, and it's <laughs> oh, like, nice. how do you know? You know, oh, but it's a... but it's it kind of makes it homey, you yeah. know. But uh, uh, but he's that it's way. Genius. Yeah, that's, that's so clever. It's it such genius. a nice little like personal touch yeah. to yeah. the broadcast. Like when you too. take a third strike. Like the house on the side of the road, just standing right. there, you know. <laughs> and uh, so things like that. He he has a ton of them, uh, and I know they did a uh, show about him, and they play it in the Fox Theater, and I've missed it every year. And I, I got to go find out this year when yeah. we're going to have it because I'd love to see it. And I heard it's a great show. Uh, so I was able to meet guys like that's Ernie Harwell. Uh, I mean that's. Wow. Right. In the game, right? Uh, you know, and some of the players like uh, uh, Gaylord Perry, who is, you know, incredible. There's a guy, a 300 game winner, never played on a winning team and a 300 game winner. <laughs> hmm. uh, his fastball was 85 miles an hour. Most of all his pitches were in the 70s. Solid. But <laughs> that's how I'd be if I was a major league pitcher. Say, like, but he ooh, won 300 yeah. games. I don't know if and I there's a good reason for that yeah. too, because he, he was just a tremendous pitcher. And I know they'll say spitball, but you know, uh, the best part of that uh, is if he has you thinking spitball, he's already got you beat. Yeah, yeah, because you're not focused on what you're supposed to be focused on. Yeah, and and that is to his advantage. Well, so I think he got caught once or whatever but but the secret to the spitball is you could check the pitcher all you want no one checks the catcher right i was gonna say and so the catcher globs the ball and throws it to the pitcher so what yeah i mean 
I can't believe they never caught on to this, but <laughs> they didn't. Uh, you know, uh, so, um, but anyway, I, you know, it's, it's, so there are, you know, it, it's the people in the game uh, that I meet and it, it becomes more human. Uh, and, and I know, uh, you know, sometimes you don't want to know, you know, because you really like some guy or something like that. But, yeah. you know, players are like, you know, folks, you go to work. And there's some people, you know, and they're very talented, and you do the work, and you get done with what you do. And there's some people on the job that, you know, you go to lunch with, you t- hey, come over to the house, you know. And others, you're professional, <laughs> stay out of my life, you know, and let's keep it that way. All right, well, it's no different. Why? They can either throw or hit a curveball, Right. That's why they're there. And and there are all kinds of people there. Some of them are beautiful human beings. And it has nothing to do with how well they hit a ball or throw a ball. They're just beautiful human beings. You know, and then others are the ones like in, you know, your workplace. Like Ty Cobb. Yeah, like Ty <laughs> right, Cobb. Right. What a beautiful human being that was. <laughs> I mean, he was. And, yeah. and so, uh, and that's the way it is. So, um, but when you get to know some of the players, you know, and uh, as people and the whole thing, it's great. And there's some players, uh, I'm still in, uh, well, just the other day, uh, Paul Ossenmacher, who is a pitcher, and his wife Maggie, and, you know, and I got to know them. And uh, and we're still in touch. Nice. You know? So it, it's really great. You know, I talk to them every now and then, you know, on the, on the phone and, um, and when they came to Cleveland, they had a special thing. They actually came out and walked out to the bleachers, you know, stayed about a half an inning, and that was enough of that. And then, yeah. you know, back to where all the free food and drink was, you know. Uh, but uh, there they are, just, I mean, really beautiful people. And and a neat story about them, they had her son that had a, uh, a problem. Now, they live in Georgia and all that. And when he was born, he had a, a heart problem. And the doctors down in Atlanta were talking about this major surgery, you know, slicing them open and doing it, and, you know, take care of this. And the folks at the Cleveland Clinic said, no, a whole lot less invasive and everything else. You know, we can get him perfect. And they did. Nice. So, because he was in Cleveland. So, nice. you know, he was saying prayers and thanking God he was here. And his kid was taken care of. So, you know, those things go on yeah. in, in, in somebody's life. But the fan doesn't know this all the time. You know, right. and what do you know? All you know is what he's doing on the field, right? So, you're a bum. You know, <laughs> you know. uh, so, you said uh, a, a couple days ago. So was this, did he come up for the All-Star game? Did you see him again at the All-Star game? or No, no. Okay. I, I wrote, I said, hey, are you going to, you know, you come to the all-star game and Maggie texts me back. She goes, Paul said only all-stars are invited to the all-star. Game. <laughs> oh man. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, no, they weren't there. Okay. Uh, um, but, but it was interesting, uh, during the world series when the Cubs were playing the Indians, cause he pitched on both teams and, oh, and right. they were, and they were, uh, uh, asking him, so who do you want to win? Oh, no. You know? And he said, I want 
the team to win whose city starts with a C. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so very diplomatic right, guy. Yeah, right, exactly. right. Nailed it. I thought that was kind of funny, but um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, and and then some of the ball players have all their talents, you know, that yeah go unnoticed because. This is where everybody knows them, right, and that's right. it. So there you go. Speaking of other talents, I want to talk about Cleveland a little more. We talked a little sure. bit about um, that that morning when I met you about the the, the All Star game was here ninety seven. Yes, ninety seven, eighty one, ninety seven. So you were you were at eighty one also yeah. in ninety seven, yes. and now two thousand nineteen. Yeah, three of the six. Do they compare? Is there any comparison? I mean, this one was. Well, I'll tell you what's different. Well, first of all, in 81, the city of Cleveland got robbed. We got cheated. I said it then. I'll say it now. They had the strike. All right. Yeah. All right, the strike's over. But we still want the money from the All-Star game. So what did they do? So you know how it's an event, you know, for three days. Yeah. So players come in, they spend some money, people come in from out of town, they see your city, they, you know, spend some money, you know, so all the, the pre- uh, preparations that you do cost money for a city uh, to make sure, you know, security and that, that, right. that, that. Well, in 81, what they do? They flew in in the morning, played the game, and took off. Oh. All right. So nobody came here. Right. It was filled out with people in Cleveland. Right. So you had the largest crowd ever. You know, yeah. It was people in Cleveland. Uh, and then in 97, it was, it was uh, uh, a whole lot better. Uh, and it was neat. I mean, I, to me, home run derby is better than the all-star yeah. game. You know, I that's mean, the excitement. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. that's literally just, yeah, it's a real competition. Every swing, you know, it's, is, it's a real competition. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then there's the all-star game and that's just, you know, but what was really neat about the all-star game. It was Sandy Alomar was the only one I hit the drum for and he hits the home run and wins the game. Like which, which, had a little, which was really yeah. You were something behind that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Do you think the players can hear the drum? Oh, I know they do. Nice. Yeah, they know my rules. I was gonna say, explain the rules because it's not every yeah. it's not every pitch or someone yeah. on base. Someone got to be on second, yeah. right? Yeah. Someone well, in scoring position. It, here, look, I march to the beat of my own drum. <laughs> you know, <laughs> forget somebody else. Yeah. You know. uh, I make up the rules. They're my rules. No one gave them to me. Uh, when they run out on the field, you know, boom, 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 boom. You know, uh, if there's a great play in the field, you know, I'll hit the drum, but everybody's cheering. Uh, the game dictates when the drum. So if we get a guy in scoring position, you know, I start the rhythmic beat yeah. going at that point. And, you know, hopefully we score a run. All right. Uh, if it's the eighth inning, and we're tied or losing, I'll start right away. Like, okay, just let's go. Rally, yeah, just let's get, go, it, rally, let's get this it. going. Uh, the favorite time is for the last out in the top of the ninth if, you know, we're winning. Yeah. And I start with a very slow beat. Boom. Boom. Mm. It's like Boom. A, and then, then the each starts. pitch I get faster. To the third pitch is, you know, regular speed. Uh, 
it'd be nice if he get it on the first pitch and yeah. out. That's fine. <laughs> you know, I don't mind. Uh, but that's, you know, of course, that's the favorite time to hit the drum because you're looking to win the game. Right. right. And so that is that is the fun time. Uh, I've also noticed uh, when you get people from out of town uh, and uh, their team is up, right? Well, when I'm hitting the drum, all the Cleveland people are cheering for the batter to be out. Yeah. And all the out-of-town people are clapping and cheering for their batter to get a hit. <laughs> so it's the one time in a game I can get everybody right. together. So And you do, too. You I mean, you can hear that drum across the entire stadium. Yeah, it's like a heartbeat. I mean, in music, the bass drum is the heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, that's what sets the tone for everything, you know. So um, e- even when I'm playing, I... There was a study done, I believe, somewhere in England, and somebody sent me this article. (laughs) (laughs) And they said that a drummer's brain operates different than most other people's brains. And and the jury's out whether we have brains or not. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where I call this in a question. But they wired people up, and a, a drummer will pick up the vibes, the rhythm of everybody in the room and channel it through the drum. Nice. And especially the bass drum. Yeah. Because that's, again, the heartbeat. that's the heartbeat. That's the feel of every song is what's going on with the bass drum. Uh, and, and you start uh, rock and roll, da, 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 da. and uh, I'm not saying you don't want to hear all the other right, stuff. I right. mean, that's, that, it's vitally important. It'd be awful boring if it was just the <laughs> bass drum. But in the old blues stuff, believe me, and I've done it, shows with a guitar player or not, and just the bass drum, because that's old school. They just had a bass drum and, you know, guitars or harmonica, and you did stuff with it, you know, because I can get like four different sounds out of this bass drum. And, and it's fun. But, yeah, so a drummer's brain channels it. Mm. And, and that's – so when I'm even at the ballpark, maybe I'm just picking up the vibes yeah. of the park. Thousands of, thousands of your friends here. You know, Literally thousands of your friends. Yeah. <laughs> that is what's nice at being at a game, you know, yeah. as opposed to just watching it on TV yeah. or something. Is, uh, when you're down there, it, it, there's a feel to it. Yeah. That's, that's so it's much It's all about different. the experience, too. And you talked oh, about it people's stories with their dads and relatives. Yeah. And, and then you meet your new best friend, you know, for the game. And, and, and the one thing that really unites baseball fans everywhere, there's two things. One is everybody knows how to manage the team better than the manager. <laughs> oh, for sure. Two, everybody knows how to spend the money of the owner better than they do. <laughs> it's easy when it's not your money. Uh, of course. Sure. <laughs> of course. I love it. Um. it it's crazy. But, <laughs> but it brings everybody together, and it is fun. So the experience there, uh, it, it's, it's better to have that. Uh, if you can't be there, it's wonderful that it's on television and, yeah. and, uh, you know, and radio. Uh, I mean, radio is what really expanded baseball. That's what really changed baseball altogether. T- TV brought money into baseball. We a used lot to of listen to every game. You I know, know, I know people that still do that. They'll yeah. they'll turn down the TV broadcast and they'll yep. listen to Tom Hamilton or you know. Yes. Uh, yeah. 
They well, see, I, I could be walking down the street and hearing the game. Yep. You know, I mean, there were times, I mean, it's true when people used to sit outside, you know, you could walk down streets of Cleveland and hear the ball game your whole walk because people had the radio on uh, and there was the game being broadcast. I just watched the 30 for 30 Cleveland, Cleveland again uh, the other day, and I believe it was, oh, I'm, I'm forgetting on the person's name. I think it might have been George Voinovich or Dennis Kucinich. Are you talking, which, the mayor? Yes. Uh, yeah. I think it might have been Dennis Kucinich. Um, and he said, on an e- on a summer evening in Cleveland, you can walk down the street and hear two things, the rosary and the ball game. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's Yeah. Well, depending on what neighborhood you're right, in. Right, yeah. Or sometimes both. <laughs> yeah. Right. Praying for yeah. the runs. <laughs> See, I'm. I, I guess this substitutes the rosary as the drum. You yeah, know, maybe yeah. count the beats. Maybe it's the, with the decades, uh, decades. Right, of the, right, you know, right. The rosary. You you talked about the drum a lot. We've talked about folks' experience uh, at the ballpark. Um, <laughs> a good friend of ours that works at the station, Brian Shaw, fellow weatherman. Uh, one of his favorite things to do is collect bobbleheads. You have your own bobblehead. Don't you? Oh, that's wild. I still can't <laughs> believe that. But yeah, they um I remember Is it a bobble drum? It's a, Yeah, <clears throat> the arms. The arms. The that's arms. what I thought. Yeah. But when you say bobble arm, people, what arm? Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh so I just say bobble head and they get the idea. I think I was that was the first time is uh somebody not a, you know, a bobblehead of somebody not paid by Major League Baseball or affiliated, you know, with a team or anything. It's just me. Right. You know, a fan. Uh, quite an honor. You know? Right. Huge and, honor. Uh, you know, not an announcer that's hired or, you know, just a nobody. There he was. Uh, that that was crazy. I, I really couldn't believe it. I, I remember when it happened. I was at this one restaurant. It was with Vic Gregovich. And... Uh, uh, we were talking. We became friends. He was uh, when the new ballpark opened, and I I took him to this place, real nice place. It's it's closed now, but uh, so no sense mentioning the name. <laughs> you're not gonna get it. It's yeah. not like you're gonna. You're, you're, yeah. you're, it's free advertising or anything, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. The town fryer. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was quite a place. Uh, anyway, uh, he was there. Hey, you can get fried Twinkies there. Oreo cookies. I was going to say, I, I can get cookies. down on a, on a deep fried Oreo, that's mm. for sure. Think about that. You know? <laughs> yeah, the good stuff. All right. Um, uh, two of the four f- basic food groups, fat and sugar. Right. right? Yeah, okay. Uh, anyway, we're having dinner, and he says, oh, I want to talk to you about something. I go, what's that? Well, we want to kind of do something, but you can't tell anybody, okay? Um you know, you got to sign this contract, you know. I said, okay. He says, we want to do a bobblehead of you. I said, wow, you're kidding. No. So uh, in November, you know, they sent over a contract, and I signed it. And um, They had to pay me something, right, because – and so uh, I was getting $1,000. And I said, well, I want you to give that $1,000 to the Salvation Army. So they – had this huge check, you know, you can't take to the bank. Right, yeah. You know. Give me one of them big ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, $4,000 made the presentation on the field. It, it, it was just a fun day. And uh, they gave out 
you know, I think you had to be 15 or younger to get oh, okay. the bobblehead. And people were complaining, you know, and, you know, you know, what does a kid know about you? you know, <laughs> I said, well, here's what you do. You go find a three-year-old and see him carrying a bobblehead and go take it from him and run. <laughs> I says, because the 10-year-olds will outrun you and they'll yeah. get it back, <laughs> you know, so you got to be selective. Uh no, bring a kid to a game, you know, yeah. and, and get a bobblehead. But I was sitting up in my seat, and I wanted to have all the other teams represented. So I had uh, uh, Johnny Thompson, big dog. Yeah. Uh, he's a friend of mine. I knew him since he was in high school. Uh, and uh, I had Deborah Darnell, uh, who is the bone lady. Uh, and I had them up there with me, and I forgot the guy. He was doing stuff with the Cavs, and he was supposed to show up, and he never did. Uh, but I had those two sitting up there with me. And there was a line from the bottom of the bleachers to my seat the whole game. Just, All right? Just to come with see people it. holding the bobblehead, and I'm doing autographs. And I only did a break when the Indians – you know, I had guys in scoring position. You know, I did my thing. And what was nice about that, it wasn't like they were off someplace else. They were standing there. They could watch the game. Yeah. So they perfect, didn't care. Perfect spot in the bleachers for it. Yeah. yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that was really touching, you know, and uh, just that they would do something like that for me. And then the response, you know, with the people. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and people still sought after to get those. Uh, I wish I would have had a bunch of them. I could be rich right now selling them. But, but you know, I wasn't that bright, you know, to keep them. Uh, throw, throw a few in the backpack. To, yeah, you know. yeah. You, you, got, you got one, though, right? Yes. I uh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And I do have a few. I use them for fundraisers, like for Channel 25. I'm an on-air personality. I'll make a fool out of myself anywhere. I don't care. And, uh, you know, for the auction. Uh, which they didn't do this year. It was kind of disappointing. I had to find out. But I'd bring them, and I would autograph them on air with a couple tickets, and people would bid on them. And I'd usually get, you know, $400 or whatever. That's awesome. Before. That's awesome. It's just it's just crazy. In fact, uh, uh after I get done doing this, I'm meeting up with uh, a guy from the Navy, and I was going to have mallets for him, but I, I'm going to give a broken drum head, and they're doing a fundraiser to help this home for, you know, disabled yeah. naval guys and all that, uh, to help guys out that are down and out, you know, to help them out. And so they're having a golf outing. Oh, great. And guys will be, you know, either buying raffle tickets or bidding on it. So uh, broken drum head, what did I do with those? I used to take those, pitch them, right? They're no good. So Brexville Schools calls me up and says, hey, uh, we're doing this fundraiser for the arts, you know, and the school and all that. Um, you have anything, you know? Yeah, I said, look, I'm not a player. I don't have a baseball <laughs> or a glove or a bat or anything like that. You know, I, I said, the only thing I have is, you know, hey, look, I got a broken drum head I'm throwing right. out. Oh, that'd be great. Autograph it. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I turned it in. Now, you got to understand, there's this table. People are bidding on these things. And there's Major League Baseball players' bats autographed by them. You know, baseballs, a few gloves, you know, stuff like that. On You know, plus tons of other things that aren't sports-related. My broken drum head went for $430, and all the other stuff on the table didn't top 100 Oh, Goodness. wow. <laughs> and I said, I am never throwing anything out again. <laughs> this is my retirement plan. No, oh, I use it for fundraisers. Now, Good. no, That's if so you're cool, a Girl Scout Troop 25, I'm not giving you a broken drum head. But I have given it, you know, what are you going to get, 30 bucks for it or something like right. that? Uh, what I do is, uh, like for Doctors Without Borders, uh, that smile group, yeah. the uh, 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 Make-A-Wish Foundation. And I have given, you know, uh, things to them. And they get, oh, geez, uh, one uh, drumhead what, went for 900 Wow. Yeah. A few years, you know, nine around the $900 mark, people will be given to have one. And you think about it, it's rare. There's oh, yeah. a very limited supply <laughs> of heads that have been played at the game. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, is that what you brought here? Is that the drum that you take? That is the drum. Uh, the only thing different on it are the rims, which you notice – are kind of newer looking than mm -hmm. the other. I used to make this drum look like it was brand new every year. <laughs> and people were so disappointed. <laughs> and I said, why am I working this hard to disappoint people? Forget <laughs> it. I'll just let it, you know. Um, but it, it kind of rotted out you know, being out in the weather and all the years yeah. and all that. But the rest of the drum, you can see, I uh, thank God I have a, a neighbor who's a welder. You know, Kirk, I go over, he's two houses down. You know, when a tension rod breaks, because I play them. Okay. You know, when I'm playing Dixieland bands and stuff like that. You yeah. Know, I'll be playing that. Um, and it snapped, you know. And he welded up for me because it has a thread on there that's different than any other. These old drums, nothing. They don't have anything today right. that matches whatever that thread was. So I got to keep it going. Uh, and that's what I do. It's uh, it's the junkiest drum I own, <laughs> and it's valuable to me. Nice. It's valuable to me. Because That'll end up in the Hall of Fame someday, probably. Oh, I guarantee yeah. it. Well, I don't know. I don't even know <laughs> if the Hall of Fame knows who I am, to be honest. Oh, you they might do. be surprised. <laughs> you yeah. might be surprised. Uh, What's I, I, don't, I don't know. But the Indians, uh, I, I know for sure. In fact, you know, uh, you know I, I have it in my will that this drum – you know, will go to them. So nice. And, That's so uh, awesome. What is a? Can I ask you what a typical day is? There is no typical day. In my gonna, life. Gonna, <laughs> is that the best answer? The I only guess? thing I that's mean, typical is the baseball game, and anything can happen at a baseball game, and it always does. Oh, man, that's awesome. Honest to God, I, I swear, there's just nothing typical in my days. Uh, I'm involved in so many things. That's what it sounds uh, like. A lot of charities, a lot of, I mean, just in, beyond communities. that. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I do do things, you know, in ham radio and, I, you know, right. doing things with, you know, a lot of different organizations. And, 
uh, things, you know, for the community. Uh, again, I'll say it and I'll keep saying it. I'm blessed. I'm lucky. I know it. Uh, and I figure uh, you have to share what you have. It isn't giving it away. It's sharing what you have. And, and, and that's what brings me happiness. So uh, I, you don't lose anything. You know, I mean, I've been given a lot. You know, God's given me a lot. So I, uh, uh, I mean, everybody goes through bad times. Everybody has bad things that happen to them. But it's how you get through them. Right. And, and together is the way to get through them. You know, so uh, I like saying uh, uh, when we share our problems, they're divided. You know, our pain, all that, they're divided, right? When we share our joys, they're multiplied. And that's and that's kind of what you do. So when I feel like I need to write that down. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that's it. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, there's... Um, uh, there was a, a, a rabbi. Okay, I'm probably a kosher Catholic. That's that's what the cantor tells me because <laughs> on my mother's side of the family, they're all Jewish. You know, my dad's are Catholic. I was raised Catholic. You know, but the bloodline, ah, mom carries the. You know, so <laughs> I'm still there. I play in a klezmer band, by the way, too. With people who don't know what that is, it's like Jewish music. You know, and and it, it's a lot of fun, but. Um, there was a rabbi uh, named a Hillel, and uh, I, I won't get into all his background and everything, but very wise man, not wealthy, not anything like that. And he had uh, three questions he asked, and it kind of, if you really want to be introspective with your life, uh, the first question is, if you're not for yourself, who will be for you? So you have to love yourself. You have to take care of yourself. If you don't, who do you expect is going to do it for you? The second question is, if you are only for yourself, then what are you? So if your whole world is nothing but yourself, yeah. what are you? Yeah. All right. And then the third question is, if not now, when? Man, I tell you what, those three questions yeah. are uh, it's deep. That was are, years ago. Yeah. Uh, you were talking, you know, thousands of years ago. Some guy. And it still resonates, too. Right. That's right. So if you want to figure out your life and who you are and what you are and what you want to be, those answer three those three questions. Mm. So. And I just think that's that's a good. You didn't yeah. think this was going to be a philosophy class. Well, I, say, I, yeah, I feel I've got to end on that. I was going like, to say it turned <laughs> out like to where that's like the perfect the perfect way to like end it on that. Like I mean that's yeah. Unless you got any more questions, I was so. going to say no. This uh, has been great to just hear your hear how this drum has been tied into baseball, and then you're just hearing your experiences uh, with. I mean, we didn't even really talk right. much about baseball. We talked about your experience with people and your, yeah. your how you how much you enjoy that. I think that that. Well, is I love the game, right? But there's everything else around the game. Uh, look, when the game ends, win or lose, okay, we lost, we blew a game, right? We had it in our hands and we blew it. And I, you know, you're bums. You know, no, I don't yell that. But you know, <laughs> you're, you're 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 angry. You know, you, da da da. Set. Well. 
by the time I walk out of the ballpark, I don't care. All right. It's like, so what? There's the real world. There's people out there going through real problems. And, you know, this is just an escape from the real world. That's what we're doing with yep. a baseball game. Yep. Uh, I mean, it, it could be fun and you're, and you're sharing your joys, you know, or you're commiserating together either way right you know <laughs> but uh, my philosophy works pretty good with yeah, that yeah. one too uh but in, in general it works but i'll tell you what i i do go to schools and i like talking to kids and they ask the best questions especially the little ones yeah. oh jeez brutally honest no ones too yeah, yeah they brutally really honest do. ones they really do but but the one thing i like to do and the message i like to give them is i'll go in and i'll say how many of you have been laughed at. Not laugh at a joke that you told a joke and someone laughs. I mean, somebody laughed at you, you know, made fun of you, did whatever, you know. Raise your hand. I said, that. well, it doesn't feel good. I said, so don't do it. I says, but if you have a dream, have many dreams, many aspirations, what you want to do. I says, make your dreams come true. Do not let anybody laugh you out of anything. If people didn't do things because they were laughed at, we wouldn't be in the building we're in. We wouldn't have a school. We wouldn't have books. We wouldn't have running water. Right. We wouldn't have houses. We wouldn't have fireplaces. We wouldn't have, I said, you wouldn't have cars. You wouldn't have roads. You Nothing. Because there's only one guarantee in life. Somebody will tell you, you can't do that. It can't be done. Nobody does it that way. That's stupid. I guarantee you, no matter what, someone will tell you that. I said, but you can't listen to them. I says, and the way to make your dreams come true is through education. That is how you make your dreams come true. So whether your parents, your teachers, your fellow students laugh at you, don't worry about it. Don't like it. Don't worry about it. You learn as much as you can so you make your dreams come true. You can help a lot of people that don't even know it. I says, not only yourself, but you're going to help lots of other people by making your dreams come true. So have dreams and work at them. Mm. Perfect. I think we should push stop right there. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, thank you.